This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Uh, At a time with little active competition in the BJJ scene, uh, the brightest stars of the sport have gone a bit cold from inaction. However, today we are joined by a man burning so white hot we can feel it from the opposite side of America, hence his not wearing any clothes to speak of. Please welcome to the studio BJJ Brown Belt, former ADCC trial winner and Purple Belt Nogi world champ, along with Submission Underground absolute champion Mason Fowler. Mason, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. I mean, you're you're an absolutely busy, busy man. You literally just got done training, and you you hopped right on with us. And we appreciate your time. Um, you're just you're just winning a whole lot lately, huh? Like you're just uh, that's 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 all you is that all you have planned is just to keep winning everything and just dominating and like is that? Um, that's what everyone wants. That's everyone's <laughs> plan. Uh, I don't know. It's just you, you kind of go on like little runs. I don't know if it has to do with your confidence or um, I don't know what it is. But the same thing happened to me when I was at uh, the purple belt level. I went on a run where I won like a bunch of tournaments all in a row. And then I went on a little cold streak. And then, you know, you win something big and then you kind of get cold again. So I feel I just feel like I'm on a little bit of a run right now. My confidence is high and uh, I feel really sharp in training. And so now I just got to keep the momentum going and try not to get injured. That's usually what kind of ends the run. You know, you get an injury and then you come back and you're kind of you're not as sharp. So just got to stay healthy and just keep keep grinding like I have been and, and keep competing and hopefully, you know, keep going up and up and up to the next level. I it's it's just been amazing to see Kev. Kev I think I was cutting you off. You're good, man. <laughs> I was I was sighing. Go ahead, Kev. Continue. Just just saying. so I'm, much I'm, winning. I'm scribbling. I'm scribbling and scribbling as we go. I, I, I my barrage I, will come soon. I just <laughs> I feel like it's it's this whole your whole recent run has been crazy just because the buildup for it was so intense with. Craig being sort of the face of Submission Underground. And when we had Heather standing on the show a few different times, the the way she talked about the situation was, at this point, I'm just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the guy because we want that kind of healthy competition in the bracket. We want to prove that we have high-level competitors. But we also want there to be a lot of real intense matches. So, and I, I know you and you and Craig have your history. Um, how did that first win feel? Um, the second it happened, it felt great. But then obviously when you have people, um, talking crap about the win, uh, it, it takes away a little bit, but at the end of the day, I was thinking about, you know, in 10 years, the win's going to be on my record and, uh, whatever, all all the trash talk isn't going to be remembered. You know what I mean? The win is going to be remembered. 
so I just kind of kept thinking, um, kind of kept my mindset in that space. And also, um, coming into the next submission underground, uh, as the champ, I, my money went way up. So if, if, if I'm going to get paid the kind of money that they pay me as the champ, I don't care who's talking shit about me. Everyone in the world can talk shit about me. Just keep paying me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Those guys, you're the one getting paid. (laughs) Unless one of these guys wants to like sign me a check, then, then I'll start listening to you, man. But if not, I'm just trying to get paid. Yeah. You know, we, we talked, we talked, we had a whole, we, we had Heather on after the, the first fight with Craig and we spent a whole episode talking about that tap. So, uh, and we won't spend too much time on regurgitating it. Obviously, I'm sure it's not your favorite topic of conversation, but I was I'm surprised. Again, people are gonna talk shit, talk shit, whatever. Like uh, you know, regardless of what your point of view is on whether or not he tapped, whether or not he did this, whether or not he did that, I was of the opinion that hey, the referee made the right call. Craig was gurgling, did whatever he did. Sounded like a verbal tap. It seemed to me that they made the announcement previously that verbal taps would be recognized. Um, it just upset me that there would be a situation where people would come on to you and attack you personally. It's like, dude, I'm not the one that made the call. I'm just, but I had him in a freaking neck oh, crank. Yeah. The guy told and, me I won. I put my arm up. I won. I got paid. Good day for me, you know? Yeah. And, and doing the second match, like literally the same exact thing. And you can hear him make kind of a little bit of a noise and then right. did a physical tap. So I think yeah. that kind of validated the first one. Right. Because then people stopped talking about the first one after that. So I think I kind of cleared that up. Real quick, I just love how your mentality is like, I came into the first the first match real jacked up and, and skilled. But I came into the second one jacked up, skilled, and I had money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Full bank account. Full bank account energy is something that hits different, man. <laughs> I mean that's what it's all about, dude. There's not there's not a lot of money in in jujitsu, and now there's finally starting to become a little bit of a potential to make a living. And I mean, uh, all of us we we're training all all day, man. Most of us don't have a very good income unless your name's Gordon Ryan. You're not really right. making money. Right. So I mean, if if we can get paid however we can, man, that's that's what we're out here to do. We're trying to get paid, make ourselves a little more comfortable. And, uh, you know, continue to be able to train all day. Yeah, man. So real quick, man. So this is kind of, I'm going to kind of tie this all together with a bunch of different things, man. So like you talked about coming in as the champion and having that kind of be an empowering figure. Not only are you getting paid more, but was there kind of a feeling of, well, like now he's coming to beat me as opposed to you coming to beat him that kind of empowered you to feel like you were going, like you're supposed to win. You've already been there, done that type thing, that confidence that kind of instilled in you. Yeah, I, I definitely felt more confident in the second um, in the second match, and uh, I was less jumpy. Like in the first match, whenever we would get into engagements, I, w- I was kind of jumpy. You know, I was a little right. – I don't want to say scared, but I was I was almost giving his attacks too much respect. Right. And the second match, I, I, I felt like we exchanged a little bit more. We definitely yeah. exchanged more, and I wasn't as jumpy. I wasn't as quick to just like jump out, and I was actually I was actually kind of floating with the positions a little more. And I, I feel like that conserved a lot more energy because I felt a lot more fresh um, during the overtimes in the mm-hmm. second. Uh, sug match than I did in the first one. The first one I was kind of tired because I was I was so jumpy, 
I was so worried about like, okay, let's not get heel hooked, you know? Do you, do you, uh, how did you like competing on the submission underground stage? I mean, cause like, in my opinion, I, I, I talk about this all the time, how much I love that event. I just can't say it enough, man. I just, there's just everything about that event when I talk about an appreciation for professional grappling in general. You know, from from someone that is that understands grappling fluently, and someone that appreciates what the spectacle of the sport could be, I feel like submission grappling has it down pat with Chael Sonnen. They've got the quick format, the five minute matches, and the overtime. You always know who's gonna. You always know there's a winner, and you know why, and all those other things like that. How did you feel about all those things, considered the rule set and the hoopla and, and the event in general? Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, um, especially doing the the 10K tournament was my first time ever doing the EBI overtimes. And there's a lot of guys that are a lot more experienced with the overtimes than me. Um, and it's funny because after after um, Craig, like, I don't know if it was the first match or the second match, everyone online is saying I'm like an EBI fighter or like I'm like an OT fighter. Yeah. I, I honestly, my, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but honestly myself watching it, I never would have thought that. I just I would assume you, you you played the rule so well. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I've never done it before, but uh, man, I think Kyle is really underrated. All all the success I had in the overtimes, I have to give like nine. Obviously, I was the one actually physically putting the work in, but as far as the technique and the strategy, ninety five percent of it is Kyle. He has me so dialed in on the overtimes. And, uh, man, he really is a wizard. I don't think he gets enough credit. The dude's a genius. You're talking about Kyle Bowman, by the way, right? Kyle Terra. Kyle Terra. Kyle Terra. Kyle. I thought you said Kyle. I was No, not Kyle Bame. No. Right, yeah. Never Kyle mind. Tara. I apologize. Cheers. Uh, thanks, thanks. No, Kyle Bame is really good at the overtime, right. too. He'd probably right. be uh, one of the toughest matchups for me in that rule set. He's really, right. really good at the OTs. Um, it's a big but yeah, Kyle, too. Kyle, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Terra, yeah. uh, I mean, since the 10K tournament, he's just been – me and him have just been like working, 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 and he has like guys rotating on me, and I'm at the point now where I'm I'm just like escaping, 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 escaping. Like I feel really good with my my defense, and then and then on the offense too, I'm getting a lot of finishes. Um, now, uh, have have you drilled more starting on the back as opposed to going for like the 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 arm, or just like did do you did do you favor the back more? We do both we do both pretty evenly. Um, there was one like in the 10 K tournament, there was like a big dude, the first guy I was going against. And during the regulation, I was on his back a lot and he was just so thick and, and he, he kind of had a big head and he had, a, he was good at getting his chin tucked and I just couldn't finish him. I couldn't get my arms wrapped uh, under his neck. So then I started on the arm, you know? So I, I just think in general, the back is safer for control time. And, Definitely, I, I, the arm might be easier to finish because all you have to do is get the arm extended. But but if you don't finish it, you're definitely going to lose the position. When you're on the back, you can maintain the control and continuously attack submissions. So I think the back's a little bit safer. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm uh, pretty decent on the arm as well. Do you, do you train uh, – have you trained with Kyle for a while? Is that your sole instructor? Is that what you've been with your whole time or is this something you've picked no, up? No, you, you went to him uh, later. You started at uh, – if, if my research is correct, I think you, you found Kyle like later on in your jiu-jitsu journey. Yeah, it's been like uh, 18 months, almost two years. Yeah. Um, yeah, before I was at – I was training MMA before 
um, yeah. Fresno, my hometown. I was living with my parents. And then um, almost two years ago, I made the move down here to to really start focusing solely on jiu-jitsu. Do you think you do you think MMA is in the future for you? You think maybe you might peek back into that again? Or you I don't think so because like I'm I'm 27 now and yeah. I, I'm I've made mo- way more money with jujitsu than I even close to what I was making in MMA and uh, I don't know I don't think I mean I'm I'm two and zero right now as a pro. Realistically, you got to get to like eight and zero, nine and zero, ten and zero, just to get into the UFC. Right. And then once you're in the UFC, you're starting over again. So, I mean, right. that's a that's a five to ten year journey. So lots of, lots of abuse on the body, lots of beatings. That yeah, you know, making yeah. a little bit of money while you're doing it. Not only that, you came into MMA already a seasoned athlete from a different sport that's also very physical. And I want to take a, a moment to talk about that because. I think a lot of stock is put into people that enter jujitsu and submission grappling as wrestlers. Like that is the biggest like danger zone crossover. Like, oh crap, this guy's a wrestler. But I think that same asterisk should be next to the names of anyone that enters the sport having played rugby because that is just – like my, one of my best friends in the world, Jeff Nelson, he, he was a former D1 rugby player. The guy is just an inhuman specimen. You got to be a specific mindset in order to deal with the wear and tear and risk of, of rugby. So I, that, I just wanted to complain about you guys for a minute because you terrify me to my very core. Um what what was it like on the rugby pitch, and have you transitioned any of those skills to to grappling? Um, man, rugby was the thing that like first kind of instilled that that work ethic and that grind mentality into me. Because before that, like when I was in when I was in high school, I wasn't really playing sports or anything. I was like kind of like out partying, and like I dropped out of high school a couple times. I like barely graduated my last year. I was like a really jacked up kid, man. And uh, <laughs> I started I, I started rugby my senior year, and that like completely changed everything around. Started just becoming like a super disciplined athlete pretty much overnight, lifting and doing rugby practice every day. Uh, and then that transitioned into MMA. Luckily, then when I went into MMA, I already was like athletic and had some strength and um, conditioning. The yeah, discipline. There, was, there was some wear and tear on the body. I only played for two years though, so it wasn't that bad. I I only like I went to one rugby practice when I was in college because they had a rugby club at St. Bonaventure, and I was just like, nope, uh-uh. Just because I saw a guy tossing the the ball around and he wasn't doing the practice. And I'm like, hey man, like what? Like, are you just chilling out? No, I used to be in the club. Oh, what happened? Oh, I broke my neck. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Good seeing you. I'm out. I mean, there is a lot of grappling in rugby, and yeah, no pads. It, there is uh, some grappling sense to it. Like when I first, my first couple MMA practices, I remember submitting guys that already had like amateur fights that were training already for like six months or a year. Like my first days in the gym, just because I watched UFC and I used to wrestle with my friends like in the backyard, and we used to do like rear naked chokes and arm bars and stuff. <laughs> Just from like watching UFC, it's funny. I have like some old videos of me like doing guillotines and rear naked chokes and arm bars, just from like watching because I was like a huge fan of the UFC. Well, you know, you, you talked about not wearing pads too, and when we think about rugby 
in the differences between rugby and like football. You know, they're very similar sports, but the idea of not having pads on kind of gives you a similar physicality to what you would get from grappling or wrestling. You actually have to learn how to get under hooks and over hooks to a certain extent and, and pummel inside and figure out ways to get people to the ground. And then when you have scrums, I mean, I can't think of anything that's even, you know, it's, it's basically a wrestling match, you know, and when, when you understand those things and you have that understanding on a full tilt, uh, you know, all no holes barred type situation like rugby is going to try to try to simulate maybe no holes bars the wrong way, which you get the general idea. Like you learn how to, 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 to use your center of gravity and things like that. in those exchanges. A hundred percent. And then also the mind too. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of really specific rules in rugby, similar to how there's a lot of specific rules in jujitsu. So when you're out there and you're scrapping and you're tired, you have to be thinking like, okay, I need to, I need to move now, or if I hold this position, I'm going to get an advantage. You're looking at the clock like, okay, I'm down two points, but I'm up advantage. I have two minutes. Like, I got to set up my sweep and sweep the guy. So when you're playing rugby, there's a lot of very specific rules too, um, especially in the the rucks and the scrums, the lineouts. You still have to be able to think and be technical while you're, like, dead tired and scrapping. So I think cool. that might help too. I also got to imagine that at the start of any match, you're already entering pretty calm because you're like, this is one guy trying to kill you. Whereas in rugby, literally everyone is trying to kill you. Like everyone on the other team, if you have the ball, they're going to just absolutely wreck your shit. So I feel like the volume is a little bit more manageable. I think through any kind of sports competition, you, you feel a little bit of that. Uh, performance anxiety. Um, I remember there were some nights when I was playing rugby that I like had trouble sleeping the night before and you wake up and you have butterflies on the day of the game. And that's really similar to when you're competing in jujitsu. Um, but the thing that I, I think really helped me the most was, was doing MMA because when you're doing MMA, you're locked in a cage in your freaking underwear. There's <laughs> another dude, you like the chant, like the, there's a real chance of you getting knocked out cold in front of a crowd of thousands of people all your friends and family like your girlfriend or like some girl you're trying to impress or like all your co-worker everyone you know and you could get knocked out cold so then when i'm going into these jujitsu matches like yeah there's a lot on the line like okay i'm gonna grapple craig jones he's like one of the best in the sport right now i could lose on ufc fight pass in front of a lot of people um but i'm not gonna like I'm not going to get knocked out cold. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit less, right. There's a little bit less on the line. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a certain level of embarrassment when you start adding the striking to it, that nobody wants to get, nobody wants to be somebody else's highlight reel. Or just like getting your ass beat. Imagine just getting pummeled for 15 minutes. Right. Exactly. And and not being able to do anything about it. Like strapped up for somebody and having them punch you in the face. Well, everybody's watching. It's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a horrible feeling. Part of the reason why jujitsu in general is, is one of the greatest martial arts for self-defense just simply because of that aspect. Yeah. Mobilizing someone on the ground and not being able to move is, is one of the most, you know, helpless feelings you can ever imagine. Um, Let's segue a little bit into something else here. I want to I I I want to talk a little bit about uh you in as 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 a, as a grappler and maybe your lack of notoriety um in in the grappling world because like I know who you are because you know you won the ADCC trials and that's freaking amazing and impressive. Um 
Do you feel like, uh, you know, first of all, tell me a little bit about what it was like to win the ADCC trials. Like, tell me about how how that felt for you and how empowering that was to get to that point to be able to win the ADCC trials. Because I don't think, you know, fight to win, a submission grab, and all those other things are cool. But there's nothing, in my opinion, that is as solid and as badge of honor as winning those ADCC trials. I think it's one of the hardest things to do in all of grappling. Yeah, so it's crazy because that that happened that happened at a time where I really like needed a big win because right. I was transitioning between my gym and Kyle's gym. I had just started training at Kyle's gym, and I was like sleeping on my friend. I have a friend um, named Duran. He fights in the UFC, and uh, we used to train together in Fresno. And then he moved to AKA, so he had an apartment in uh, or he had he was renting a house in Gilroy. So I was like driving down every Monday morning and like I would sleep on his floor all week and then train at Kyle's every day while he would go like train at AKA. And then on the weekends, I would like go back home, do like a bunch of private lessons with all my old students and just like stay at my parents' house. So I was like in this transition where there was no consistency. There was like no security. I didn't really have a set plan yet. And, uh, and I had just started training at Kyle's so of course when you're like the new guy you want to get like some kind of big win that way you kind of get the respect of everyone there so um yeah and the other thing too is like I was traveling I had done like Europeans the month before I had like traveled to Florida to compete and I didn't really do any kind of training camp I didn't even I wasn't even set on if I was going to do it or not um I signed up like on the last day possible to sign up just one of the other guys at the gym was talking to me about it, Benji. And, and he was just like, yeah, I'm going to do trials. Like you should go do it. Like, I think you'll kill it. And I was like, Oh, the ADCC trials that's coming up soon. Like I didn't really even know. Um, so I just like signed up on the last day and then like ended up winning. And after I won too, I was like, I had realized what a big deal it was. I didn't really understand before what a big deal it was going to be. Yeah, that's that's like I, I say it all the time. I don't think there's another standing in our bar, a barometer that really measures what real great grapplers are better than ADCC. I think it's the best culmination of submission grappling, points grappling, the entire package. I think the ADCC still has it, still has it beat in terms of like who the best grappler on the planet is. And if, if you just win the trials, just going to the ADCC automatically puts you in a different class of grappler than, than everybody else. You're automatically like in the upper echelon just because you, you, you made it there and, and you, uh, you competed there. Now tell me a little bit about how you feel. Do, do, you, do you feel like some people don't give you the recognition of the quality grappler that you may have become after that? Because like I thought, Thinking about you and Submission Underground when I saw you going against Craig Jones, I think a lot of people were like, who the frick is this Mason Fowler guy? I remember reading some some messages and shit about like, Mason Fowler, what the hell is he doing against Craig Jones? I'm like, no, there, there is a very good chance that those were Gordon Ryan army trolls. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but, but whether or not they're trolls of Gordon Ryan, it still lacks the fact that they should know who the hell Mason Fowler is. Did that like drive you at all? Did that give you a little bit of like edge to be like, fuck you guys. I'm going to show you who Mason Fowler is. I'm going to prove you guys wrong. Um, Man, I actually like that better. Like yeah. when they, when they were doing a poll on who's going to win me or Craig and Craig's at like 
91% and I'm at 9%, I'm like, sick. There's no pressure. If I lose, then I was supposed to lose. Craig has to win now. You right. know what I mean? Like, I don't have to win. I just go out there and perform. Right. So I actually like that better. I told all my friends on the last poll, vote for Vinny, man. I don't let me come in as the underdog. It takes the pressure <laughs> off of me. Well, that's yeah. actually a good question, though. You know, with the with the back to back wins, uh, one, uh, the first one being somewhat controversial, the second one being emphatic, you know, clearly beating Craig. Can't, you're the king of submission underground. Is the mentality coming into this match against Vinny any different for you? Yeah, the mentality has to be. Um, I'm not the champ. This is my first my first match at Sug, and I got to prove myself. I, I can't be going in as I'm the champ. I beat Craig. I'm the best. Uh, Vinny's just going to be another easy defense because that's how guys get caught. I have to clear everything, and I have to start over from zero. I, I can't get comfortable here. That's been like the biggest thing in my head. That's a good, it's a good way to look at things that way, man. Because uh, you know, you, you seem like a pretty, pretty intelligent kid. And you seem like someone that uh, that is still growing as a grappler, and and I, and I like to see that because anytime you get to a point to where you feel like you're bigger than anybody else, and and, and you have nothing else to prove, then then is when you get knocked off. Like go out there and, and take it to Vinny and and, and, and go after him. Vinny's <laughs> a legend. Small, small pep talk I'm, I'm definitely not taking him lightly. He's a yeah. legend. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to see that match, man. Vinny Vinny Magalhaes is a, he's a whole another ball of wax yeah. from uh, from 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 Craig. But I think uh, watching you, I think you got what it takes to put him down. Uh, specifically, one thing I'm really interested in is the potential overtime matchup, just because we know Vinny is so so experienced in that in the the EBI overtime rule set. Uh, no, I don't want to go into specifics about any game plans, but are, are you looking closer to regulation than you might have been with Craig, or are, are you same like just play it by ear? Um, you have to be ready for both. So we have we have a, a pretty solid game plan on the regulation, and then we also have a separate game plan for the overtimes. You have to look at them almost as two separate matches because the regulation is five minutes. The overtime can go up to twelve minutes. Um, so they're both completely different. They're almost not even the same sport they're they're completely different escaping and maintaining the arm in the back position is completely different than just a five minute match starting on the feet yeah it's it, it is i i still though i i when i talk about the the ever-evolving evolution of uh of professional grappling i think about ebi and the fact that they came up with the ebi overtime rules is is a very big drop-off point or stepping up point you know um, ADCC is awesome, and I appreciate ACC as a competitor, as someone that knows grappling. But you know, to watch an ADCC match, unless you're really involved in what's going on, can sometimes be a little bit boring. Um, people like to see submissions. You know what I mean? People like to see people go after the action. They like to see people go after. It's something that the folks at home can get into and get excited about when they see things like that happening. And then you know, the problem being is, is when you have a submission only match. You know, if if you go all the way to the end and 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 only submission, and that's all we got, you could have a match that'll last forty five minutes. You know, an hour sometimes. Um, when you have EBI at the end of it, you actually can say, okay, is it a true submission only match? Probably not. Did the guy are we putting someone in an advantageous position that they didn't earn organically and naturally? Yeah. 
But at the end of the day, it's better than a tie. I, I just can't stand one of the, the biggest gripes I have with fight to win is watching fight to win matches and being someone that really I understand grappling and I watch a fight to win match and I'll sit at the end of it sometimes and I'll put somebody's hand in the air and I'll just scratch my head and just be like, nope, all right, there we go. Let's move on because I have no idea what happened there. Yeah, real, yeah. real quick, just that sound bite. You know, the, the worst part about Fight to Win is watching Fight to Win matches. No. <laughs> Hi, Seth. Please come on the show. <laughs> I, love, I love I love Seth. I still fight. I still think Fight to Win's a great organization. I just that just bothers peeves me a little bit. Yeah, everything every, everything is kind of its own different thing. Fight to win is its own thing. Right. Submission Underground is its own thing. IBJJF is its own thing. ADCC is its own thing. Um, I, I personally do like the the point system. And the reason why is because if you if you are close to passing a guy's guard, he knows that if this guy passes my guard and scores these three points, chances are he's going to win the match. So the guy fights like hell to retain his guard. And a lot of the times, that means he gives up his back. Right. And then once he gives the back, then it opens up the submission. Um, so I think that I think that having the points does open up a lot of submissions. Or maybe you're, you're going for a sweep and there's – there's a minute left, and you know you have to sweep the guy or he's going to win. Now, as you're trying to sweep him, it opens you up. And then also as he's defending the sweep, it might open him up for a submission as well. Yeah, I, I always say that too, Ben. And I, and I think if you look, and this is why I always say I feel like the ADCC is the best rule set to determine who the best grappler is. If, if you look at what the structure of the rule sets of ADCC and any points grappling match incorporate, it falls directly into the hierarchy of positional jiu-jitsu that is discovered from what jiu-jitsu as a martial art is all about just like danaher said you know you start on your feet you take someone down so now they don't have the power of the core from their feet because anytime you throw punches everybody knows it's not your arms it's about having that solid foundation from your lower body to be able to throw the strikes and kicks and punches and being able to grab somebody put them on the ground so now you take them on the ground what's next you have to pass their guard because even if someone knows absolutely nothing about jujitsu they still have powerful legs to kick you in the face or in the legs or whatever from the ground. So you get those legs out of the way, and now you advance position and so on and so forth. And just like what you said, like, yes, is it a perfect system? Probably not. You know, are people giving up submissions because, yes, they are concerned about the point structure? Sure. Does it fall into what we consider to be the, the perfect triangle of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? Not really. But the theatrics of it and the element of, pushing the pace and having someone say, shit, I'm down. Now I have to push onto something else as to that strategic element. I just think that just like you said, I, from a purist point of view, I think that ADCC is the best, man. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a really good one thing that I, we like to talk about with uh, any of the high level competitors we have on the show is that there are so many hybrid rule sets now with like incorporating points, no points, like sub only and regulation points and overtime. Do you have a preference for like rule set? Like I, you, you've said you favorite, like including points in some capacity. Is there a specific rule set that you really like, or are you just like a fan of a bunch of different types? I, I do like I do like IBJJF um, because if you if you almost pass the guy's guard, getting that advantage does count for something, right? Um, if you if you take the guy down and then he scrambles up to his feet, 
you did. I mean, you did something. Um, I, I love, I love ADCC also. Um, I, I just think it's so hard to score in ADCC. You, you pretty much have to pin the guy to get two. Um, but as far as what's the most fun to compete in ADCC for sure. Those mat, I mean, those matches were uh, the day I competed in ADCC was one of the best days of my life. It's just, it's a real scrap. You're out there shirtless, flipping all over the place. It's a war. You're pushing yourself past past what you thought you could do. Um, I, I do think there's something to the advantages, though. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What I what I, I always though. What I always think about this when I think of advantages, and when we talk about ADCC versus the IBJJF, like advantages make a play no matter what you're doing. You know, if you go to a ref's decision, what we consider to be advantages are what the refs are going to use in their decision towards who won the match. So, if in other words, if you have two dudes and the score is tied two to two, you're going to think about who pushed the action, who did the most, who almost passed someone's guard, who almost finished the takedown, who almost did this, that, and that, and the other. And you just tabulate them in your head as opposed to tabulating them as a point system, you know, in the ABJ and IBJJF, they take those advantages and they actually tabulate them. So at the end of the match, the ref doesn't have to go, okay, let me go back and try to remember what happened. They're all right exactly. there for you. Yeah. Where yeah. I get a little bit worried about if it is, is the, 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 like if someone, you know, when you're talking about advantages, if I have someone in a triangle for five minutes, you know what I mean? And they had, two near guard passes, I still feel like I should be the one that won that match regardless of whether or not the advantages go. But the IBJJF is still – I still – like I said, when I talk about the, the ADCC as the one the fighters want to win, I still think you're not a world champion until you win at the IBJJF, and that's just the facts of it. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing. I agree with you on that as well, that if I have a tight triangle for five minutes and I almost submitted you, but then you get two near guard passes, how did you win? Right. So that's every every rule set you can you can give a situation where maybe maybe that wasn't the best, but you can you can do that no matter what game you're playing. Right. Yeah, I mean it, and that's when when you, when you talk about the IBJJF and, and the idea of advantages, like yeah, you know the IBJF has their own rule set, the ADCC has their own rule set. It's your job as a competitor to learn how to win under those rules. I hate it, hate it, hate it more than anything in the world. And this, I'm someone that's competed in fucking everything. I do. I've done every, every type of rule set you could possibly imagine. Right. And, and I can't stand it to my core when I see people real, like high level competitors that are better at grappling than I'll ever be. That will stoop to the level of whining that like this rule set is bad because X, Y, Z, this rule set is bad because of that's no dude, you are a world-class competitor. You don't whine about the rules. You cater your game and you play the game to win those rules. And whether or not you want to believe it or not, like if you're making that excuse for yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent on that. Uh, If, if you have time very briefly, there's, I, I just remembered a question I wanted to ask at least once before the end. Now submission underground is really famous for some of their more like theatrical rule sets, namely the tag team match. Uh, hypothetically, you get offered a tag team match. Who's your partner, and what team would you love to go against if you could think about it? 
If you say me, there's extra points in it for you. Yeah, that's way. true. I, I would yeah, love no. to be on submission. <laughs> Kevin will Venmo oh, you twenty five dollars. We'll right find now. some other old ass man to be on the other side of the team. We'll even it out, man. We'll make it a handicap match. Mason <laughs> Fowler and an old guy from. I don't Florida. even have to get paid. I just want to be on Fight Pass. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Kevin has won Masters Worlds three times in a row. That's so, like, this is no. you're not getting like we like some old caboose here <laughs> yeah i definitely i mean i would have to go with yuri you know yuri's my boy yeah. okay he's, he's, you know he's the guy where he pushes me the hardest in training and uh that would probably be my first pick it would be t- he signed out to, to one fc so um I, I don't think he would be allowed to do it under ufc fight pass oh he did sign in one fc that's pretty cool i didn't realize that that's all well, yeah, i mean but- they've had they've had bellator fighters you know, so I uh, maybe maybe make something happen. I don't know. <laughs> but also, I, I'd love to do it with Kyle, man. I think me and Kyle yeah. would, be, would be a fucking great team. I'd oh, love to man. have Kyle in a tag team match. So oh. I didn't I didn't realize you trained with Yuri. Like, who who are some of the other studs you train in? You train in your in your room with you on a consistent basis? Yeah. So so definitely Yuri and Kyle are the the um, most well known guys that I train with. Um, and then we also have like, we have like five other black belts in there that are really, really good. That just haven't had like a, a breakout performance yet. Um, ben, I mentioned Benji earlier. I don't know if you guys um, are familiar with him. Benji Silva. He's really good. Um, we have, we have this kid Kenyella on our team. He was on, um, one of the last subs with me. Chael was calling him double K. He's really, <laughs> really good. Also, um, we got Jeremy Jackson there. Um, and then we have Hudson too. Hudson's in there. Hudson's a monster. Um, we, we have a really solid team, man. Just, man, I swear, a, a couple of these guys, they just need, like, one good performance. They're they're right there. Yeah. How, how much of your success do you attribute to being able to train with high-level training partners on a regular basis? I know it's a stupid question, but I always like to ask people that. Yeah, all of it. Um, it. It completely changed the game for me. When when I was training with local blue and purple belts, they're tough guys, and right. um, I, I loved having them as teammates. But being in a room where it's ninety percent black belts, um, it, we're playing a different game. It's not how many times can I submit you in one round. It's can I win the round right fighting exactly. as hard as i can can i even uh, get to a submission position against you and then yeah. yeah right um and then also just like i mean if if i'm going with yuri the first round i'm spent you know we're scrapping right. giving everything we have and then the next round i'm going with another really good black belt and then the next round i'm going with another really good black belt so it's like there's no rounds off yeah i always i always tell guys that I talk to that I coach or that I'm involved with. And I'm like, Hey man, like if, if you really want to be serious about becoming a competitor, you have to do that. You have to actively seek out the toughest guys in the room to roll with over and over and over again. And, and you, and you can't take that time to like, when, cause when you, when I'm in a room, like, just like you said, there's a different way I'm going to roll with a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt. Maybe, you know, I'm talking about that's just some weekend warrior guy. That's tough. But like that, I'm not as legitimately a, a concerned with. I'm going to try new things. Just maybe, like a 
a cat with a ball of yarn right. just sort of pawing at or it. Or I'm going <laughs> to rest and relax and take my time. Oh, maybe I just went with Dan Martinez or Matt Arroyo or something like that. So my next round, I'm going to chill and be like, oh, cool. Let me go roll with that purple ball kid that wants to roll with me so he can show me how good he is. And I'm going to kind of like <laughs> relax and chill. But you have to go after this, people. You have to look out. You can't take those restaurants. You got to push yourself. And when you're in a room, you don't have any chances. You don't have any choice but to push yourself. That's the best way to do it. Man. Yeah, but there is something too to uh, to training with with people that aren't as good um, and being able to maybe work on uh, working on bad positions, working on a guard that you're not as efficient at, um, expanding your game outside of just your A game. Um, so then also that's that's where the night class comes in. So then when we go right. to uh, Kyle's class at night we're doing our training with the students who are, uh, you know, just normal members who are also good and technical, but they're not full-time competitors like us. So, and, and Kyle even tells us like the main competitors, if, if we're, if there's multiple, uh, competitive, like the comp guys in the night class, stay away from each other, you know, use this as your training to work on new things and you'll get a chance to kill each other tomorrow in the competition class. Yeah, I mean, my, my head instructor, uh, Rob Kahn, always used to talk about that. He used to say thing. There's a 70-30 rule. You know, 70, 70% of your of your time, 30% of your time is out there crushing and going after the fucking monsters, trying to push yourself against guys that push you to that next level. And then 70% of the time is out there looking for things to work on. You know, he used to talk about this all the time. This is a funny little quote to say. It's like, you know, in boxing or striking, you got a heavy bag. Right? You want to work on combinations, hit the heavy bag because you don't have to worry about hitting you back. In jiu-jitsu, we've got white belts and blue belts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah many times uh, some of the brown and black belts I roll with uh, afterwards will say, thanks for helping me work on my Z game. You weren't even getting my, you weren't getting my A game. You were getting my Z game, homie. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, yeah, I think uh, one on the, another thing I would love to talk about real quick is that you're having such a tear – with uh, with no gi competition, but you've also won gold at Worlds at Purple Belt in the gi. What? Where's your focus at these days? You know, are you like putting uh, a lot of focus on no gi and maybe returning to the gi at a later date, or, or is it a full transition maybe towards the no gi game? You know, you've posted a lot of pictures of you in the gi with the brown belt, so I know you're not ignoring it, but just like where's your focus right now? Yeah, so. I would say my focus definitely has to be on SUG because I, that's that's where the money is right now. So um, it wouldn't make sense to focus on an IBJJF tournament uh, with 50% of my training when it is prestigious, but the money right now is in SUG. So most most of my hard training is done no-gi, um, and then I am still training in the gi uh, at night. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing submission underground October fourth, and then I'm doing the pans uh, October. I think I compete October 9th, so like five oh, days later. Um, but definitely SUG is the priority. But I I plan on winning both. Everyone plans on winning, like we talked about. <laughs> uh, but that's the goal is to win SUG and then win the pans. What do you What do you feel about the differences in toughness between gi? In no gi, and just to preface that, I, in my opinion, 
I don't think there's a more difficult thing to do than to win the worlds in the gi, just because I feel like training in the gi just adds a whole nother element of, of, of toughness when you got to fight for grips all the time. You're everything is constantly a struggle when you're fighting in the gi. Like when you're fighting in no gi, you can you don't have to you can kind of like rest slightly. You know, you there's 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 struggles, but you can kind of hold off. When you're fighting the gi, there's never that moment where you can just kind of hold off. You're always pulling on something, stressing your muscles and working hard for guard passes and grinding, grinding, grinding for everything. What do you feel about that? Man? Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I, in my opinion, I wouldn't say one is necessarily harder than the other. I would just say that they're both um, have their own uh, difficulties about them. So like you said, in the gi, there's a lot more static. It's a lot more static holding and fighting for, for inches. Nogi's a lot more explosiveness and a lot more scrambling so i think they're both difficult in their own way um in in my opinion the two that are kind of tied for me in my head would be adcc and uh ibjjf worlds in the gi black belt yeah, yeah. um so on my radar right now for sure i i definitely want to get that that win at adcc and the fact that i already have the experience of um competing there I was very close to beating Craig in ADCC and he was the number one seed in my bracket. Um, so I, I think, I definitely think that I have a good shot to, to get that ADCC title, but I definitely do want to, I mean, reach for the stars, right? I definitely want to try to um, get to the highest level in the gi also. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good in the gi, you know, everyone says I'm a no gi guy. Uh, I, I'd like to think I'm pretty good in the gi too. So you won gold. You won worlds in the gi. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who's you, saying that? If you won, if you won the purple belt worlds in, in the gi, man, that's that's them. I mean, we probably have like 150 people in your division, 200 people in your division, something. What like are, that. I, got, are they, I got silver in the absolute too. I lost to Roberto yeah. Jimenez in the final. Wow. The like absolute. for real? Like they're <laughs> acting like you did one tournament in the gi in some yeah. no name place, like corner of the wall, <laughs> like in house tournament thing, and the, the, no, that's like. I don't care at what level. If you throw on the gi and you take gold at Worlds, you're not just a no gi guy. You know, there's there's tons of big names in the in the submission. Like, it, there's tons of big names in jujitsu that haven't put up those kinds of results. Yeah, that's both. impressive to win yeah. both like that. That's 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 impressive, man. You're, you're, you you kind of represent to me like a a, a new hybrid uh, of of new style grappler that's coming out there and, and excelling in both and, and and making things happen in both, like Jimenez and William Tackett. Like these guys are actively competing, and but I, I don't I don't see a world where guys can just say I'm just a nogi guy now, I'm a gi guy now. I just, I just I just think it's silly. I think people should be fighting both. That's just my opinion. Anyway, yeah, that's but, what Kyle. T I, I had a long talk with Kyle after. Um after beating Craig and told him that I thought it would be smart if, if I doubled down on no gi and wrestling and set my sights more for ADCC. And, and he was just like, Mason, if, if you want to be the best, the best guys win both. Man. Um, that's the honest truth. And uh, he also told me that not to sell myself short. Yeah. Why, why just win, win in no gi if you can win in both reach, reach for, you know, reach for both. Yeah, and I and I still think that, you know, yes, when you're training for a no gi match, I focus on no gi, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to train the gi simply because it's going to screw up my no gi game. Like if there's an opportunity for me to good session, get a good session in, and everybody's wearing a gi, like I'm going to put my gi on because training yeah. 
jujitsu is jujitsu. You're still thinking in jujitsu terms. And yet, whether there's grips or no grips, you're still trying to solve puzzles under duress using jujitsu and using your mind and your strength in, in, in that accord. Yeah. I, I actually think that would be a good place to say that uh, it's been, you know, it's, it's public knowledge that all the gyms everywhere, but specifically California are really feeling the weight of like the, the continued shutdown. I know Kyo had to close one of his locations up. Has the state of the world been a huge, had a huge impact on you getting ready for all these big name matches and whatnot, you know, like, like mentally, how are you able to, to really stick to your guns and just get the job done? Yeah. So we haven't had, we haven't had one day where I didn't have, uh, competition training all we have a solid comp team all of our guys that are on the competition team that are permitted to come to the competition team training um the training's mandatory so all of our mandatory guys all of our high level guys um we found spots to train at every single day we have not one day has passed that our team hasn't gotten together that's good man I, I, that's I'm like not in the same boat with you we, we had a little break there for a little bit but we're still when 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 like the the bat signal goes up, we kind of find a way to scurry into the shadows to go get our pro training in. Yeah, we were driving. Um, we were driving to a different county because Santa Clara is re- really strict. There was another county close by um, where we had a spot, and uh, so we were every day. We were all making the drive. We we're all hopping in each other's cars and getting the work in. Yeah, I think I feel like it's good to know that like the community was still going strong just because I've known people at different levels that have stopped coming to, to classes or like stopped checking in and they're never coming back. Like I know purple belts that are probably never coming back, which is crazy. Like that's how damaging this has been to just the jujitsu communities all over the country and, and the world. So it's, it's, it's always good to know that there's people who it's a big enough priority at every level that they, they, keep making it happen and i know it's not easy you know it's you know like shout out to to boogie at 10th planet someone ratted on him when he was doing like privates in his gym yeah it's crazy yeah if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die man i'm not gonna stop doing jujitsu it's about i mean if if anything i could die driving on the way to the gym there's just it's almost the same chance that i'm gonna die in a car accident driving to the gym that i'm gonna catch covid from someone and die you know you what i mean always, i'm not gonna stop living my life you can always find a competition and in, in in the grain so silo with chael sonnen and in uh <laughs> they, those guys <laughs> never <laughs> stopped they never stopped and it was fully illegal <laughs> give, give us your best chael give us one rule and, and we're in the gray oh here we are God. at the grain silo and uh <laughs> god damn it all right here we are with with mason fowler and and truly He's the guy. I've been saying it since day one. Oh, Craig, he's on the back foot there. He's on the back foot. He's in trouble. <laughs> it's so you kind of look like jail too. You can God damn it. Isn't it creepy? <laughs> Isn't it creepy? His nephew or something. I it's like, like he's like that face morph thing where he just yeah. has to turn into Gail Jail son. I am yeah, it's yeah. it's got it used to be I used to be like kind of happy that I had a good chill, but now it's just like I'm kind of waiting for the day someone to tell me like, "Hey, it's not that good." And I'm like, "Oh, thank God, I'm free." Like, it's all right. I was impressed. I mean, I wait, Heather gave it like an eighty out of a hundred, so like I'm <laughs> I'm all I got room to grow. You know, I'm I've given up on jujitsu. I'm just gonna work on my Chael Sonnen impression. So that that'll be my 
my mountain to climb. But uh, yeah, we we don't want to we don't want to keep you forever just because you've got a massive amount of things that you got to get done all the time. But a few things, and this is not to take the the focus off your upcoming match with Vinny, which is looking like an incredible matchup. Are there any other names though that are in the back of your mind as you're getting ready for this for like maybe what comes next? Like who who would you want to face on the the submission underground stage? Maybe like complete a trinity a trilogy with Craig? Like does Vinny get a rematch? Like where what what would you want to see? Honestly, uh any name they send me, I'll accept just because like I said before, they're they're paying really well. So <laughs> honestly, I can't I don't have the right to say no to anyone, but if I had my choice, I mean, it would be nice to get a really popular like UFC fighter, especially because it's on UFC Fight Pass. Um, just anyone that's going to bring a lot of eyeballs, um, because I think that would raise my stock. Like when when Craig did the match with Rumble Johnson, I think a lot of like casual UFC fans were tuning in. Um, so yeah. something like that would be great, but. Um, if if it they're gonna throw another jujitsu guy, that's fine. Um, whoever they want me to compete against, I'm in, man. I'd like to see you go against Tech Johnson. That's just my opinion. I think you guys would have a good fight. I think that'd be fun to see. But that's just my 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 dream matchup in my own little head. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm done for it. Whoever. Yeah. Uh, hang on one second. I just gotta. I don't know. How about this guy? He looks like kind of a lightweight. <laughs> I don't know. I, he yeah, looks kind of. That like that's an easy match right there. Is he is he some kind of Bellator guy? I think he might be in it. I might have recognized him from somewhere. Yeah, Khabib's a monster. Khabib's a monster. Oh, but, is he? I didn't he, know. Someone like that. I mean, imagine not that I'm calling out Khabib because I'm definitely not, but just imagine <laughs> imagine hypothetically a guy like Khabib in submission underground. It would be right. huge. Imagine how many people would watch. No, it, it would be huge, and I, I don't, I don't. It's just a question: Would they be able to pay him any, uh, anywhere near enough money to get him to come out there and do it? Do the hard part exactly. But yeah. it would. It's that's that was that's the template that Submission Underground was using to try to get eyes on the event. I dug it, man. I think they did a good I job. I think it would be cool problem. for like John Jones. Yeah, like John, Jones, John Jones. John Jones. What 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 event was John Jones? On? He had like Sug two or three. he did. Like, he was Dan one of the Henderson. early Dan, yeah, Dan Henderson. That's yeah. right. That's right. I think it was right after he got he got busted and whatnot. One of the earlier times. Yeah, he like, fight. yeah, it was he's still like Naga too. John's like competed at a Naga while he was the UFC champ. Yeah, yeah. So and, if he's and actually, for something to do, make a little yeah. bit of money. He's, he's, <laughs> he's on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Mason, yeah, are you calling like out John cool. Jones? Let's do it. Not we, calling you, him out. you heard it here first. <laughs> would, this is the, t- the title of this episode. To have any kind of competition with him, he's a legend. The he's title of this one episode of the greatest will be of all time in MMA. Mason no, Fowler no, no calls out bait. John Jones. Mason Fowler thinks not. John it's not clickbait. You called out John Jones and Khabib at the same time. What? someone someone like that that has a big following i think that would just be good for our sport in general and not just good for me but everyone on the card all the grapplers on the card would get a lot of eyeballs on them so i think it would be good for all of us there's no shortage of really high level grapplers in in mma it's it's shifted around away from the you got to be a black belt you got to be all this and that you know there's got uh, ryan hall obviously he's an absolute assassin you know at it at, to anyone, if you're if you've got a leg, he's gonna go for it. 
I think that's interesting though, because a lot of people have said that the injection of MMA guys into this, like the jujitsu scene, is sort of bad for jujitsu. Like I've had conversations with friends that say, "Oh, it's no, they're just like MMA guys. It's like we need to have jujitsu only. You know, the guys that are about that life. And aside from like a few, they're mainly jujitsu guys that do MMA. But you think it's like you think it's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, you had you had Logan Paul. Uh, fight fight ksi and then they had the whole undercard was really legit boxers have you have you have you heard about probably got paid well and got a lot of eyeballs on them so at the end of the day they they were all probably happy to be on logan paul's undercard yeah no doubt real real quick has anyone heard the rumor that logan paul might be fighting floyd mayweather yeah i believe it (sighs) we'll see uh, I, I don't. That's that's a that'd be that'd be impressive to see if they could put a payday big. I'd, good good for Logan Paul. As long as I, I hate the kid, I don't want to say I dig him, but hey, man, you know what? Go out there and mix it up. If you can get a fight with Floyd Mayweather, make you a quick hundred million or even yeah. twenty million. Bust your heart. <laughs> I'd fight Floyd Mayweather. Fuck yeah, for for fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'd let Mike Tyson hit me with a baseball bat for fifty million dollars. <laughs> sure. sure. Floyd Mayweather in the gi. Spend ten million of that yeah, on reconstruction. Give, give me Floyd Mayweather in the gi. That's perfect. <laughs> How about this? You and Floyd like boxing match, but you get one takedown attempt, and then like if he gets to the if it works, you can do whatever you want. Oh, I'm taking him down. Because <laughs> you're not gonna let go until he goes down. Not, like, give up on the takedown. Yeah. Right. So you in terms I mean? of in terms of like people, Mason Fowler has called out. We've got uh, exactly. We've got uh, Rumble Johnson. I think we got Khabib. We got John Jones, and also Floyd Mayweather. This so, might be our most viewed episode yet. This is yeah. I mean, long. like it's crazy. Like the the names. He's, I I actually uh, okay to 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 cap this off. Just because I wanted to mention that the 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 culture of jujitsu and professional jujitsu is very much geared towards like social media beef calling people out betting a lot of money and in that sphere it's it's cool to see a guy that isn't really about that who just shows up to do his thing you know do so well so you know it's like i I, i'm i'm not always about seeing andre galvao and gordon ryan get into it for the millionth time over social media and they bet up millions and half a million dollars and yeah, so just thanks for being a normal guy in that regard. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm I'm cool with that too. And and Gordon, he talks a lot of shit, but that's him. Right. Um a, a lot of these other younger guys coming up think that if they talk shit, they're gonna make money like Gordon Ryan, but but people can people can smell when it's when it's fake. Like Colby Covington, you know, like it's mm. fake. I mean, I still like it, but it's just it's a little more cringy. Um so it's just not my thing, man. I'm not, I'm not gonna be that guy that's just like on Instagram all day talking shit. Um, I, I mean, maybe it would get a little bit more eyeballs on me, but uh, it's just not my thing, man. Well, you know, I think the important aspect to that is, and it's like I always, I always love to see like the amateur MMA fighter that's you know one and one or zero oh and two. That, that has an Instagram presence like he's, you know, like he's Conor McGregor. Yeah. I just, it, it, like the first, like, that's cute that, you, that you're out there promoting yourself, but you should probably learn to fight first. You know, I just yeah. like people, people like to go out there and make this whole image about themselves and they forget that sometimes the image has to actually mean something. Conor got you know? to where he was at because he won fights. 
That right. you can't take that away. He didn't get to where he's at because he talked shit. He, right. he got there because he won fights, and mm -hmm. the reason he elevated so much higher was because you added the shit talking on top right. of it. Same and thing with Gordon Ryan. With Gordon, yeah. yeah exactly. If 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 Gordon wasn't winning, then it wouldn't work. We could all talk shit about Gordon all we want. But he's he wins. Still, he still wins. And then yeah. until until he quits what, what winning, can you really say to the guy, what are you gonna do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you suck. Oh, really? I got the really? folded ADCC. Uh, <laughs> you can stop by whenever you want. I won't yeah. even roll. You can roll one of my purple belts. I'm not even gonna take it off the mat unless you really fucking you know. Yeah. So you can't really say anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe if I double go to ADCC, I'll start talking shit. I don't know. We'll get you. Well, I'll, I, I know. I know a guy. I'll set you up with somebody. Kid. You know, Mason. I feel like if you do that, maybe you get to. Maybe you get to just become an absolute monster. And I don't think anyone would stop you. All right, Kev. You got anything else? No, nah, I'm fried. I love you. Uh, this has been a, it's been a good. It's been a long week for me. I've been cool. I've been training my ass off too, so I'm freaking tired, man. Yeah, I've just recently started my get on fat initiative, so I've started going to the gym again, and it's just it's kicking my ass. Oh, Mason's already he, yeah, we're, Mason's we're losing. Like, right, no, 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 no. Wrap it up. Right. So, Mason, uh, something we like to do at the end is uh, whenever we have a guest, we give them the last little bit of the of the episode to sort of plug anything they might have going on or sponsors or whatnot. So, like, if you got anything you want to shout out here at the close, uh, feel free, my guy. Yeah, um, obviously, Submission Underground, October 4th. Um, I have a pretty big match with Vinny Magalhaes. So make sure you guys all tune in. And uh, PANS afterwards, ADCC Trials shortly after that. So hopefully I'll be able to string together a couple big wins in the next um, couple months. And thanks to all my sponsors for the continuous support. Moya Brand, Foxhound Fuel, Santa Cruz Medicinals, um, Action Coffee, uh red wave tattoo they did all my all my work for me on this sleeve oh damn um, let's, let's see a picture let's see a picture that looks yeah nice. come on it's oh man that's dope biomechanic that's nice bro yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, nice and the work, and, and the arm it's on is yeah, so yeah. jacked too yeah, no, right. Right. <laughs> way, way to make it's, it weird it's an optical illusion it's <laughs> ah yeah it looks really muscular it's really way to make it weird kev that's why i'm here kev <laughs> and then shout out shout out to uh cta kyle Terra. he's been I, I wouldn't be doing the things i'm doing without him really it's i'm out there competing through you know his game plan his strategy and his his jujitsu so you got to give kyle credit Oh, hell yeah well, man. cool man thank for me thank you so much for coming on i enjoy talking to you man this is uh you're, you're an awesome dude man like i said i've been a fan of yours before all the submission grappling stuff i remember you i think you fought on a sapatero down here with uh with josh the duke one of my boys so i fucking I've, I've i've heard your name shouted out more than a few times and i'm glad that you're getting the spotlight that i feel like you deserve man thanks thanks guys i appreciate it all right well uh, again you know thank thank you for me as well uh this has been another episode of the jiu-jitsu times podcast i have been your host kevin bradley joined as always by my co-host mr kevin gallagher and we've been joined by the immaculate mason fowler mason thank you again so much for stopping by we wish you uh all the luck in the world on your next fight again october 4th check it out submission underground uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you for spending this hour with us. Uh, if you haven't already, stay safe, stay healthy, love your loved ones, and uh, protect yourself. It's scary out there. We will see you next time. Good night. See you guys.